So today on American Conversations, we have a dear friend, Joanne Muller, who, uh, and this is for our Bonhoeffer series under American Conversations. Joanne is a strong woman of faith, a mother of five, a grandmother of how many grandchildren now? 18. 18. All right. Uh, and Joanne has done some extraordinary events as well as uh, projects. She has organized a thousand churches in Philadelphia. Uh, and Joanne, what was that for? Why did you do that? That, that was, was for a prayer and uh, public praise um, and unity movement in Philadelphia. And then you also went into the hood in That's Philadelphia. Correct. So tell, tell us that story because it's an extraordinary story that Ted Koppel covered years ago for ABC News. Well, I, I had been working with the pastors in Philadelphia. That was my introduction to Philadelphia because I'm from the suburbs. And um, while I was in there, I felt like um, I needed to uh, be engaged in the, in, in, the, um, in, the, in the lives of the people, not just go and, and, and pray and, and then come home, but to actually be um, of service to God in helping people who had needs. And so I prayed about it and I felt like the Lord had led me um, to go to 10th and Indiana and anybody from the Philadelphia area knows that's uh, right in this, right smack in the middle of what's known as the Badlands. And at the time, that was 1997, at the time when I was there, at any given time, you could find two to 300 people out on the street corners uh, shooting up getting high and um and and a lot of them had no place to live and they they uh they lived in shelters that we would call bandominiums they were just blown out buildings and so i i did that for two years i had met a man um his street name was seville he was known for stealing uh cadillacs Seville's, and um making money off of that and he was that he was called the doctor and he found places to shoot people up who had lost their, their ability to find their veins. And so he would uh, find it for them. And so they called him the doctor and that's what he did. And he made money or he got his drug supply for doing that. And um, anyhow, from that, working with that population, which was very difficult uh, to find them help at that time, one of the problem, one of the challenges that I had with this, this is, you know, before we had access to cell phones like today, mm -hmm. um, I would have to go and find a church that would let me, uh, that would open their doors, not just to me, but to them and let us come in so that I could make a, a phone call and find a crisis center for them. So I could take them there when, when people were ready to get help. And usually what I found was most churches, and I'm not saying it's at the fall of the leadership. It's just that they just could not help these people. They were not capable of helping them. Um, but they would let me in, but they wouldn't let the person who was high in with me. And so a lot of times I'd go make the phone call and come back out and they'd be gone. Um, mm -hmm. And so I learned from that, that I, I needed to get myself established and have a building and I prayed about it. And um, I got a building 24 hours later, somebody called me on the phone and they said, uh, right, would you by any chance need a building? And so that's how I got started. And the building was probably about uh, 
four or five miles from the location where I was over into the area called Kensington. And that's where I spent the rest of my time working in Kensington. And I decided that if I was going to bring people in and house them and create a transitional housing, I would only work with women, which is what I did. So up until that point, I worked with men, women, anybody on the street that needed help. But at that point, I fine-tuned it and it was just women coming in. And then I ended up becoming a chaplain at the Philadelphia Prison System, and I did that for 11 years. And we met when you were still a chaplain, when you were still permanently living in Philadelphia, and you brought me into the um, into the detention center, and that's where I met the women in your Bible study, and I interviewed them about how they, yeah. the stories of their lives going yeah. upstream, because yeah. they were they they ended up in jail because many of them, if not seventy five percent of them, had been raped. Uh, many of them under the age of ten, some of them as young as four and five years of age, and it became clear to us that it was compounded trauma. Yes. as uh, our friend Diane explained to us, um, who's a psychiatrist. Um, so Joanne, in light of what's happening with the mandatory vaccines and the lockdowns in America, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because you still minister, you still teach Bible studies. Um, where's the church? We're the church leaders, we're the Bonhoeffers. You know, I mean, there's an awful lot of silence you and I have talked about this in 2020, just astounded how the churches just agreed to close their doors. And, and how do you look at this as a, you know, a woman of very strong faith? Well, I, I, I disagree with um, a lot of the decisions that leadership is making now, but you know, I, I need to also say I'm not in their shoes. I'm not, you know, I don't have a congregation that I'm responsible for. However, um, I, I believe that what we need is we need strong leadership to set the example, uh, to show us that as people of faith is our trust in uh, man, is our trust in what can be proven scientifically, is our trust in, um, you know, in the medical profession, is our trust in our government, or is our trust in God? And for me, it's just really simple. When I don't know what's going on, I trust, in, I trust God completely. And I believe in, in, from my, the bottom of my heart that that is what uh, leaders that call themselves pastors uh, and, and just leadership of if, if people, who, people of faith, um, what are they modeling? What are they? What is the example that they're setting for us? So if they live in fear, we're going to live in fear. And um, I don't believe that the church was ever called to be people who lived in fear. Um, and so I disagree with a lot of decisions that's being made um, from leadership in the church right now. Um, I think that their reasons for doing this is uh, their congregations are divided on issues. And that is probably the number one reason they do not wanna talk about things because they're going to offend half of their congregation. Uh, so they don't take on any issue that could become political or controversial. And, um, and I believe that that's exactly what happened in Germany. 
um, was they didn't want to take on anything that would become political or controversial because it's about self-preservation. And that's not what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to lay our lives down for other people. That's the mandate, not uh, preserve my life so that, uh, you know, I'm safe and well hidden from any kind of danger. Um, so uh, that's the main thing that I see right now. So I have shared with you and with other people, I have eavesdropped on the White House Office of Faith-Based Calls off and on since February. And um, it's not illegal, it's just not for the press, but I did it anyways. Uh, and at that point in time in February, very early on, I heard the leadership in the Biden White House Office of Faith-Based call upon churches to host COVID events, meaning to mm -hmm. give people the vaccine shots because they quote unquote were places of trust in the community, end quote, uh, to quote, validate the vaccines, quote unquote. How does that, how, how do you look at that as a person of faith? Because I was pretty shocked. Uh, they wanted to have the black leadership uh, and the black communities get married to the uh, faith-based groups and then also um, with the unions is what they were saying in February. And it was all about validating these shots whose safety and efficacy trials had not and will not be completed until 2022, 2023 and five. So what does this tell us? Well, it tells us that the pastors, the leadership that bought into that were willing to make an unholy alliance. That's what it tells us. That's what it tells me. That and it took money for it because we know that there's a trillion dollars in public awareness campaign. You know, by April, they were they're doling out to people who would, you know, work to get people their vaccines. I mean, I, I, I'm sure there was some kind of payoff for it. And uh, there was something worthwhile for them to take a stand because once again, it's a political issue. And so for them to be, you know, brave enough to say that they, they either had a lot of confidence that their congregation was going to say, yes, we don't, we don't care anything you say, we're, we're going to get the vaccine. Um, the, the circles that I happen to hang out with, I'm not saying everybody is not vaccinated, but um, I, I think they're all coming from the same place that it should not be mandated. Um, and the, most of us are not vaccinated, nor do we want to be vaccinated. So, um, so I just think there's some congregations that are just more open to that and whatever the leadership says they're willing to do. And so they're willing to just follow the leadership and trust in the leadership of the church, as opposed to deciding for themselves. Yes. Or, and basically what it comes down to, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, I'm going to just speak to that right now. If you're going to call yourself a, a Christian. You answer to God. You're supposed to be a person of prayer and you're supposed to go to him on everything that matters in life. That is what our leadership should be training us to do. Not just follow the crowd and not just do what somebody in a black robe or, or, you know, with a white collar around their neck is going to tell us to do. That's not what 
Jesus ever intended. He intended for us to be able to go to him and trust him and 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 look into his word and and decide for ourselves what is God impressing upon our hearts to do. And are we comfortable with doing whatever it is that God is impressing upon our hearts to do? We do it. Um, we don't take our waters from man. Uh, we're not supposed to. And uh, I think that's one of the biggest issues is we've become, the, the church at large has, has come in an institution that says, just do what we tell you to do and, and you don't need to think for yourself, we'll think for you. That's dangerous. How does fear play into this? Because, because in the Bible, the Lord says, do not fear. In the Torah, he says, do not fear. So, I, I mean, believe. I believe, and I might be off by one or two um, uh, points on this, uh, one or two uh, numbers on this, but I think there's like 365 verses that talk about fear. <laughs> and um, it, the, the thing about fear is it's the opposite of faith. And we can't call ourselves people of faith if, if we govern ourselves by all of our fears. And, and I'm not saying that we, we will never be afraid of anything. It's just that we're not supposed to make our decisions based on our fears. We are to make our decisions based on what the word of God says. And most of the time, God is telling us to stand in the face of fear and trust him. That's what it means to be a person of faith. So when we, you know, in the general vernacular, right now, there's a huge conversation about, you know, the fear, whether it's the fear of the disease, the fear of the vaccines, which I hate calling them vaccines because they're gene therapy shots, but the fear that people have. How is it that, I mean, we're there some people are there. They're very fearful of getting the disease. They're very fearful of the vaccines. Uh, how do we get ourselves out of this to be to, to become people that realize that something else is going on here? Because I think I think when when people say, you know, why is it that people don't see some of the things some of us see, and then we have to realize that everybody's going to see it or not, but see it in their own time. How how, do, how does leadership play out when you have when you have a, a society gripped in fear? And and, and 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 honest to God, there's some disgust and anger too because of the way the situation has rolled out in the last eighteen months or twenty months. Well, you know, I think for all of us in the beginning, we didn't know what was being thrown at us when we first heard about this virus and. It was potentially going to kill millions of people. And, and so we all were cautious and we all were willing to do whatever we had to do to, to, to get this thing under control so that we could move past it and, and move into, you know, back into something that was reasonably back to normal. I don't know if we're ever going there, but mm -hmm. um, I, what happened was as it unfolded and it became I think glaringly clear that people in leadership were now trying to control us. Um, the fear that we once had was, in my opinion, was no longer a, a valid fear. The fear of being controlled and manipulated 
in my opinion, was more dangerous than any flu. Losing our freedom as, as Americans, to me, is much more dangerous than um, having some kind of a flu that has, what, a 98% you know, recovery rate? And, and I'm pretty healthy, so I don't have any underlying issues. Um, I'm not in any kind of category that would make me vulnerable to this thing to be, you know, very sick. Right. Uh, so it's easier for me to say that. And I get that. And I understand some people, you know, their their life is very fragile because it's been compromised somehow. But it should not be for the masses of people to be jumping through all of these ridiculous hoops, especially our children, who are are not. It, 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 it's a sniffle. It's 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 a it's a you know maybe a flu on steroids, but it's not it's not lethal, and and so that 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 to me is very confusing. It's very confusing as to why we would let that control our lives, and then why wouldn't we question what's behind that? That's that's dangerous. How do you, how do you feel about people not being able to question? Oh, well, <laughs> when you start questioning people, and I'm sure you've, you've been there and experienced it, you're either shut down or considered crazy or you don't believe in science. And, and so far, nobody has proven scientifically anything to the general population as to why, why are we you know, doing all the stuff that we're doing because none of it has been effective. So where's the science in all of that? So when seeking the truth, isn't, is there, um, isn't there a rule of thumb that if you're seeking the truth and something turns out bad, you want to know the origin of it? You want to find out how it evolved, how, 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 how this COVID pandemic, what was the cause of it? I mean, I, I've taken a look at this and, and I keep on saying to myself, why aren't world leaders saying we have to get to the bottom of this when you have scientists saying there's another pandemic coming? Why aren't we figuring out how it was released, whether it was a lab, whether it was a wet market, whether it was a gain of function in a lab, whether it was not, whether it was animals worked on in a lab and then sold to a wet market. I mean, there's, there's even a precedent for that. What does that tell us about society when we don't have a world leader saying we must get to the bottom of this? We must demand of the CCP how this happened in Wuhan. Well, it's probably um, possibly the first time in history that we didn't care what the origin was so that we could eliminate it. it it's, it's actually beneficial to some of these leaders to keep them in power and keep us under their control. And, and so if we disregard how it you know, originated and, and, or where it came from, um, and we just keep plowing forward, we can just keep building on a lie. But at, at some point, the lie has to, to fall. The lie can't support itself for forever. It can't. And we know that and history tells us that. Um, so I believe that, that people of faith 
what our position should be, and it's certainly my position, is let's get to the bottom of it and let's find out what the truth is. And then let's make decisions based on what the facts are, not what we, you know, what we're told. Um, it's the only thing we don't have two sides to this to weigh it together and debate it and to look at it and make decisions for ourselves. That's the America you and I grew up in. And that doesn't exist right now. And so it's confusing to our generation. And we're saying, wait a minute, where's the debate? Where's both sides? Because that's where you're going to find the truth. When people are willing to flush it out by coming from two different angles and, and looking at it and, and then saying, oh, well, maybe we both, maybe we're a little hysterical on this side and maybe we are overreaching on this side, but there's somewhere in the middle that we can compromise. That would make more sense because at least we're striving to find the truth. I don't see that. And, and I don't see that in our leadership. I don't see that worldwide. Uh, and I don't see that in our churches, we're actually saying we want to get to the truth because, you know, we'll all as, as Christian leaders, we'll all um, say, we'll quote the scripture that says the truth will set us free. Well, then let's find the truth in all of this. And that's where I'm coming from. Let's find the truth. Where do you, I mean, you're, you're a grandmother of 18. Where, I mean, do you have fear for the world that they're growing up in and, and, the, and the mandatory vaccines? Because there's no doubt anymore that, you know, they're, they're, they're targeting the, the kids. They're, they're targeting infants now. I mean, it's not just five to 11 year olds and 12 to, to, to 18 year olds. I mean, they're going for the little ones and thinking about making this part of the mandatory schedule. And also boosters. I mean, first they said it was just, you had to get the, the first vaccine. Now now it's now it's boosters. So I mean, everything that people have had conversations about, it has come to fruition. How 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 are you? I mean, with your family, you're you've got a tribe. The mothers have a tribe. Yeah, and and uh, I wouldn't say I fear, but I have a lot of concerns, and and I'm a fighter. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit back and let something happen. I'm going to stand up and 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 speak out and uh, challenge people. Um, prove to me, prove to me what you're saying is necessary. Prove to me that my grandkids need to have uh, the shots. Uh, you know, my children, as you well know, a um, couple of them are school teachers. And uh, being in, one's a principal and a few others are, are school teachers in the in the uh, in Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, they're just towing the line and doing what they're supposed to do. Um, and, and they're told things and they do not see things the same way I do. But I'm standing for my grandkids because I do not want to see them come into a, you know, grow up into a world where they just line up and let people do whatever it is that they want to do to them and and they give up their freedoms in the name of safety. I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me. I think any any uh, Marxist or communist country can tell us when we give up our freedoms for safety, we end up losing both of them. That's true. Historically, that has been proven to be absolutely yeah. true. So what what is it the what at what point do you think that the church leaders will wake up or will they I guess I should be asking do you think that they're going to wake up Well I'm asking God to just like intervene <laughs> some kind of act <laughs> from heaven 
but I, I do, I, you know, I, I'm laughing at that, but I do trust that God has a plan. I, I don't know what that plan is. Uh, I don't know how that plan's going to play out, but I do believe that God has a very special interest in the body of Christ. He just does. And um, because we represent him, it, it's not just that we're better than anybody else. It's not that he loves us more than anybody else. It's about we represent him. So he takes very special interest in how we respond to things. And, and so I believe he's going to deal with leadership straight across the board. And um, I would be concerned if I was in church leadership right now and I was on the wrong side of the fence. I just would be very concerned if, if, if you're not reflecting what God's heart is. And I know that leadership would say to me, oh, we are. We're showing love by putting masks on and getting vaccinated. And we're showing love to our community by doing all these things that the government told us to do. Well, God tells his people to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. How's that supposed to work when we have to be six feet apart? We can't come close to each other. And some some churches are still not back to worshiping. And, and the Bible says very clearly, do not forsake the assembly of the saints. So there's a lot of contradictions in saying, oh, we're, we're doing our part by loving people. I love people. I, I'll go into the hood for people. I'll walk into a crack house for people. I, I, I've gone places where it was dangerous. And, and you know I have. Mm-hmm. I, I've gone places and said, you know, it's not about me. It's about God loves somebody and I'm going to take the love of Jesus Christ to them because they need, and if something happens to me, I know where I'm going to go, but, but they need to know that they are eternally loved. And, and so that's the mandate of the church. We are a people who are supposed to go into dark places and go to the sick. How do we do that when we're so busy protecting ourselves? It's not possible. It's not possible right. to do that. You know, this this summer, um, when, when we got together, you you said to me, sitting by your pool, you said to me that you know you understood how you always how the Holocaust happened, mm-hmm. and you feel now that you have. You want to share some thoughts on that? Well, you know, it's just it's just interesting that that was a thought that every time you know it, the the, the you know, the Holocaust would come up and we would remember what happened. I would just sit there and think to myself, how did they convince 6 million people (laughs) to get in boxcars? Especially like, you know, how did you get parents early on to just willingly go and round up their small children and go where they were taking them? How did that work? I mean, as a mom, I'm sitting there thinking, I I would be very suspicious and say, how come these people are never coming back? Where are they taking them? And, and, and I would, would be just a very suspicious person uh, of, you know, what it is they're not telling me. Um, And and why is it just all Jewish people? You know, there would be a lot of these questions. I am a person um, that just has a lot of questions and I want to get to the truth of something. So I believe that, you know, people had to just get to a point where they said, I don't want to know what's going on because it's not safe for me to know what's going on. Or, and, it doesn't, or it doesn't affect them directly because they're not coming for their family. Right. Right. So, so let's, 
let's jump to today when people are saying you're you're unsafe because you're unvaccinated hence you're going to lose your job what my question is where are the people that even if they got vaccinated where are those people because they don't believe in mandatory vaccinations why aren't those people standing up because it could happen to the vaccinated it could happen if they Fauci has said that it's coming soon, possibly for the redefinition of the term fully vaccinated. So if it becomes if fully vaccinated is now getting the initial shot and then having to get a booster and then it's a required booster every year or quarter or two years or whatever it is. What I want to know is where, why is it that the vaccinated don't understand that they too are at risk as much as the people who have chosen not to get vaccinated? You know, I've had conversations with people and it's really, they, they want to believe what they want to believe. Um, they have reasons why they, they got the vaccine. Um, and when you ask them, do you feel that you're more protected? And if you're protected, then why do I have to have a vaccine? And you start asking them the question, they get angry. Uh, most people, not everybody, but mm -hmm. most people are, are defensive and they want, to, they want to convince us that we need to do what they've done because they've done the honorable thing. And we're just rebels. Um, very few people I know who have gotten vaccinated because they're older, their doctor came along and said to them when the shot was available, you know, this is what you need to do while they're in their doctor's office. And they said, oh, okay. Uh, and they just did it. And I think some of them have regretted the pressure that was on them to do it. Um, they, they, they resent that they were, um, you know, targeted in, in a vulnerable kind of state at that point. And, and, uh, and so they would not take other shots at this point or the booster. Uh, they've done one and done. Um, but what if that change, but what if that changes? That, that's, that's my question. What if, what if through the Fauci redefinition of fully vaccine, what, what if, what if now it becomes known you have to get boosters are mandatory? Well, Christine, this is really radical, but it's time that we stand up. Didn't, wasn't, aren't we a, a nation that was founded by the founding fathers on, we will not allow a tyrannical government to come in and tell us how to live our lives. We want freedom and it's worth dying for. And that's how this country was birthed. And I believe we're at that place again. It's we can either fight for our freedom and fight for uh, what everything America stands for, or we can just roll over and just say, let the Chinese come in and we'll live like the Chinese. But my warning to the church is consider the underground church in China. Is that what you want to be? Well, that would be coming with the CCP. Yes, it would. Uh, People, I think a lot of Americans don't connect the dots with the vaccine passport 
with the CCP social identity card. I, I think that that's not the correct name of it, but that's basically what it is because it's more than it's more than medical information. It's 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 choices. It's whether and then they judge you whether you're a good or bad person. But if the CCP doesn't allow freedom of religion the way that we allow freedom of religion in this country, why would anybody think moving towards their model is not is going to keep our freedoms here, our bill of rights? I just I, 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 I truly do not understand the thinking of people of missing this boat of knowledge that's right in front of them. I, I just I can't understand. I, I just don't understand it. I mean, not every country in the world has a bill of rights. Right. Right. You know, that, that's what makes us unique. Well, and 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 we're not looking down the road. We're looking at you okay, know, why aren't why aren't is is it is it customary for church leaders not to look down the road? I would have thought that they they would have it. They don't. I think they're supposed to. <laughs> well, you're closer to ministers than I am. So I mean, I mean, do ministers is is it part of the ministers? makeup that they, they they don't look down the road i i think the model of the church has become so institutionalized which was never the intention uh from the beginning of what jesus wanted it to be it's become powerful at the top and the people who are at the top of the uh pyramid tell everybody underneath how to run their small little congregation. And, and, and we all know, and, and I know from being in Philadelphia and then being in the suburbs and, and then spending time in, in the country here, you know, in rural area, um, I, it, it, people, you know, need to breathe differently, so to speak. Um, and and uh, it's not a cookie cutter mold that we all get shoved into. And so pastors have to look at their congregations and say, well, this is how I'm going to govern them. And they're not really free to do that. They get their orders from the top and, 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 you know, there's a denomination. I'm not going to say which one it is. They probably know who they are. Um, that from the top, they've been told at this point, they still have to meet six foot apart and wear masks when they come together. And they're told from the top, not to sing. That's offensive to God. We're called to worship him. What do you think of Franklin Graham coming out and saying that uh, Jesus Christ would have taken the vaccine shot? I, I think he's a, a very good man. Um, but I, I don't agree with him at all on that. Uh, you know, if, if he would like me to quote scripture, because he has no scriptural reference for that. If he would like me to quote scripture, there is the scripture where Jesus spit in his hand, stuck it in the mud, and then threw mud in the eye of a person to heal them. He, he broke the rules. He healed people on the Sabbath, which was against their law. Um, and he got himself in trouble for that. He was very radical for them. And he answered only to his father. And so I look at that and I'd say, I, I highly doubt that Jesus threw a mask on when he went to the lepers to cleanse them. He saw us as individual people that needed to be loved and, um, and, and valued. And um, 
you know, when you put a mask on, there's something about it that says, well, I don't want your germs. There's something about it that says you've got something I don't want. And, and, and we're to be people of love and, and, and love just covers over, um, a multitude of sin, it says, and a multitude of things that are not right. And, and people that are hurting. And, and I just know from working with people who are very, very broken and very, very diseased, I know they needed hugs. And I looked at my life and I said, you know what, either Jesus is going to take care of me or none of this in the Bible can be trusted. So um, I would take issue. Um, I respect uh, Franklin Graham um, and he's certainly got the right to his opinion, but I don't believe it's 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 founded on the word of God. And that's shocking coming from a Graham. I know that that um, I shared with you that, that we have interviewed the, the Vax injured, and I know that you've been praying for them. Can you, in closing for this conversation, and we will have more in the future, can you give them any hope? If, I mean, for for those who have chosen to to um, to take the the clinical shots or the early rollouts who are ill now, Joanne, can can you give them some prayers of hope? Here's what I can say. I honestly believe God sees all this and he's not pleased. And God has a plan. God has an answer. And I believe when the church begins to act like the church of the Bible and we start praying for people and we start believing and trusting that, you know, we've all made mistakes. We've all done things that we wish we hadn't done. Um, we've all gotten sick. And, and, and prayed and asked God to heal us. And some people get healed and some people don't. We don't understand any of that. But this much I know that God wants his church to be released in this hour to go be the hands and the feet of Jesus and to go act like heaven here on earth. And, and, and that is to pray for every single person that may have taken the shot, that um, had some kind of, uh, um, you know, um, problem, as a result of that, some physical thing, uh, God still heals today. I believe that. And that's why I am adamant that the church has to behave like the church because we've got the answer. We are a connection to God himself and it's faith. And, 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 and I'll, I'll end with this. The currency of heaven to move God's hand is faith, not fear. God tells us that. He, he looks... He goes across the earth and he looks for one person who has faith and he honors that. And if we stand on his word and we stand in faith, God honors that. He shows up and he changes circumstances and we have at least got to try. And so I, I pray for those people who have been wounded. I pray for those people who are confused. I pray for those people that live in fear, that they would come to know the living God who loves them, always loved them, always will love them and has a plan and a purpose for their life. And he desires to heal them of every sickness and every disease. And I pray that in Jesus name. Joanne Muller, my dear friend, thank you very much. Thank You're you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you.